Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right, my friends. You are listening to Conservative Not Bitter Talk, and yes, I am your host, Todd Huff. We're going to be talking about infrastructure today. We're going to be talking about Easter, Good Friday. I don't – some folks there, – there's I know that there's folks that get offended by the term Easter. I don't mean it. That's just what it's commonly referred to. Resurrection Sunday. Anyway, we'll talk about those things and time permitting a couple of other things as well. But I want to, I want to start by talking about infrastructure. And even though she wasn't necessarily talking about the infrastructure bill, Dr. Jill Biden, Dr. Jill Biden, I'm sure when talking about passing the so-called infrastructure bill would have something to say similar to this. See, say Broadway, the future is ours. Thank you. So say it with me. See, say Broadway, the future is ours. Thank you. Standing in front of what appears to be a Nazi flag. See, say Poadre. What the world... Si se puede is what it is. Yes, we can. This was something that was made popular by uh, during the Obama years. Si se puede. Si se puede. I've seen all sorts of folks out there defending her, saying that, hey, man, this is this is hard to say. Si se, it sounds like si se padre to me. Yes, we father. Yes, we father. Is that what she said? I don't know. Anyway, this is the smartest group of people. Doctor, Doctor Jill Biden. May I remind you? Si se padre, not even padre, padre. <laughs> anyway, so let's talk a little bit about infrastructure here this morning. This this piece of infrastructure legislation, supposedly, I say supposedly, um, because there's a lot in this bill. That doesn't have anything to do with infrastructure, but you knew that already. This is how the game is played. Two trillion with a T, two trillion dollar piece of legislation. In fact, speaking, we'll start here. I wasn't planning on playing this till a little bit later in the program, but I'll play this soundbite. This is at a press conference with Jen Psaki, who undoubtedly is circling back on all sorts of things. In the wake of that press conference, we'll be waiting with bated breath to see what she circles back with and how she fills in the gaps of things that she undoubtedly did not answer during this this press conference. But, but a reporter from Fox News, Ducey, not uh, what's the younger Ducey's name? Is it Peter's the? Is it Peter? Or? We're drawing a blank here. But Ducey, um, I think it's Peter's the kid, I think. Anyway, Fox News reporter talking with or asking Jen Psaki 
a question at this press conference, uh, points out how much of the $2 trillion is actually set aside for so-called infrastructure. When you think of infrastructure, what do you think of or what do you think it's meant to imply? Maybe that's even a better way of asking it. What do you think it's meant to imply? Isn't it meant to imply that we're going to fix roads and bridges primarily? You may be wondering why we even need to do that. I, I want to pause. I think infrastructure is one of those things that actually is a responsibility of the federal government. This is something that, well, not the whole bill. You'll, as we break this down, you'll know what I mean by that. You probably do already. But we'll just kind of venture through that here in a moment. But it's it's meant to imply, you know, uh, just the network, the transportation network, I guess, of, of the country. That's primarily what it's meant to imply. And, and people will get behind this, right? People will get behind infrastructure in general. Now, that's – I'm saying nothing else going on. I'm saying there's a tax increase with this. That's a problem. There is all sorts of uh, a Democrat wish list, a liberal's wish list tucked into this thing. Trillions, well, over a trillion dollars for that as well. So the other things are problematic. But just in, its, in and of itself, a infrastructure is not necessarily a bad thing. Now, that's, it is a bad thing when you factor everything else going on how much they want to spend and how they want to do this. Be prepared to hear about something that Chuck Schumer and his team have just stumbled upon that suddenly gives them the ability, they will say, to bypass the filibuster for virtually anything that they want. That's in this as well because, again, in the Senate, um, they're going to need 60 votes if they follow the traditional rules unless they try to somehow do – Budget reconciliation or work around of the filibuster, which seems to be what they're setting up to do here. And, of course, the media will complicitly walk alongside of them and tell the American people that this is just um, – yeah, this is the way it's supposed to be. That's not the way it was when the Republicans had the House and the Senate. Nope, that's not the way that we did things. This would have been, this would have been an assault on our democracy. This would have been an abuse of power. This would have been – uh, trying to silence the voices of minorities if this sort of behavior and strategy was undertaken by Republicans when they were in power. But you may be wondering, didn't we just didn't we just do something with infrastructure? Don't we hear this all the time? Well, I go back here. I find an AP story, December 4th, 2015, just a little over five years ago, for any socialists that may be in the audience today, obviously needing some help with math. I'm kidding, but just a little bit. Here's what it says. Headline, Obama signs, this is an AP story, Obama signs five-year infrastructure spending bill. Washington AP, a five-year $305 billion bill to address the nation's aging and congested transportation systems was signed into law Friday by President Barack Obama, who said it will put Americans to work and provide states with the federal help they need to commit to long-term projects. I would say, I don't know about you, but I would say a long-term project would be one that would qualify for five years. This bill shouldn't even be done yet, should it? The bill, 
the article continues, was overwhelmingly approved by Congress a day earlier, provides a modest increase to highway and transit spending, but falls short of the $400 billion over six years the administration or administration officials said is necessary to keep traffic congestion from worsening, nor does it resolve how to pay for transportation programs in the long term. So five years ago, we needed $305 billion for a six-year program, even though they wanted $400 billion. Now we get, now we get, and now we get basically, what is it, uh, $400 billion to $2 trillion? That's the price. Is that how much the cost of building roads and bridges has increased in five years? From $305 billion, or even, if you will, $400 billion, the cost of, or what was actually passed, or what was pro- uh, uh, projected to be needed by the left, $400 billion by the Obama administration. They only get $305 billion. That's supposed to be spent over six years. It is transportation and infrastructure related. But we act as though that that never happened. I'm reminded of uh, the American, what is it, Recovery or Rescue and Recovery Act, which saved America from utter disaster, supposedly, saved us from a Great Depression. All these shovel-ready jobs. Remember this? Biden was in charge of restoring the economy, the summer of recovery that took basically until Trump was in office <laughs> to, to fully hit. Remember this? They act, but see, this people don't even people don't care. People don't care about this. People don't think about this. People don't know this. You got to know what to Google. You have to understand. Well, and and sometimes Google even wipes it from existence as well. So, anyway, let's go back to Ducey here. Peter, I think it is. So Peter Ducey is asking Jin Saki. Basically, I'll play the whole question, but basically, this is a, you know, how are you calling this an infrastructure bill if only five, he says 5%. I haven't dived in or I haven't dove into the numbers and, and to that level, but Peter Ducey says it's 5%, 5% of $2 trillion, 5% of that. So he says, how can you call it a piece of infrastructure legislation listen listen to this exchange and it's quite telling on what they're trying to do here's Jin Saki answering very masterfully very masterfully masterfully the question by Ducey from Fox News here it is and one of the most colorful examples that the president used yesterday he asked if people remembered a bridge going down but only five percent of the spending in this package goes towards roads and bridges and i'm curious why that number is so low and something that is being sold as an infrastructure package Uh, we're actually selling it as a once in a century or once in a generation investment in uh partly our infrastructure but partly uh industries of the future yeah have you heard it sold like that it may be to the left in fact if you look at headlines from the left They are saying things – I think it was in Mother Jones. I saw this somewhere, and I'm going to have to paraphrase. But basically, this is the closest thing to the Green New Deal that has ever been uh, attempted to be passed or that they think can pass and be signed into law by by President Joe Biden. So I'll take a look after the break. Timeout is needed here 
in a moment. But after the break, we'll look at the fact sheet. That's what the White House has put out. Fact sheet. These are the facts, Jack, as Joe Biden would say, supposedly. We'll look at the fact sheet. We'll look at what's in this. We'll talk about that. And um, in the latter half of the program, I want to talk about I want to talk about Easter, Resurrection Sunday, Good Friday. Um, this is, folks. This is the most important weekend of of the year. We're remembering the most important event in the history of humanity, history of mankind. This this weekend, what we are celebrating today, or the, over this weekend. Um, is the single most important event in human history. It truly is. The event that reconciles God and man once again. The event that opens to you and to me an opportunity to be reconciled to our Creator. So we'll talk about that as well. Quick timeout is needed. Sit tight. You're listening here to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. We will circle back to Jen Psaki. We'll circle back to this so-called infrastructure bill on the other side of the break. Sit tight. Be back in a minute. You're listening here to the home of America's realities are, self-appointed, by the way, here to help the New York Times and the Obama, excuse me, excuse me, the Biden administration, not to be confused with the Obama administration. I'm here to provide my services at a phone call's notice to be the realities are, here to help. By the way, this program is brought to you in part by, again, folks, Encourage you to support our advertisers. We've got a website where you can go to supportouradvertisers.com. If, and we're just asking for a chance to give them a chance to earn your business. There's a whole list there, but one of those is Edwards Equipment. Folks at Edwards Equipment rent, they sell, and service many makes and models of lightweight residential or heavy-duty commercial equipment. They're located in Danville. You can find out more information on their website, Edwards tractor.com 317-745-6427 edwards tractor.com so let's get back here to this transportation well this infrastructure so-called infrastructure bill the white house put out a fact sheet these are the facts jack as joe biden likes to say first point is that they say they're going to fix highways rebuild bridges upgrade Ports, airports, and transit systems will modernize 20,000 miles of highways, they say, roads, and main streets, fix the 10 most economically significant bridges in the country in need of reconstruction. It will also repair the worst 10,000 smaller bridges, providing critical linkage to communities. This is typically what people think of with infrastructure. Now, Ducey said it was 5% set aside. When you read a summary of the bill, and I have, it says $621 billion. So roughly, what is that? About 30%, I guess, is what um, 
is what the administration would say is for roads and bridges. Um, again, Ducey says that number is actually 5%. I haven't dug in deep enough to tell you, but the point is it's not it's not an infrastructure bill. In fact, it's a majority. It's 70% something else. So what is the something else? Well, I'm glad you asked because in addition to that, um, it is about delivering well, from the White House is what they say, delivering clean drinking water, a renewed electric grid. I will say this, the electric grid, the power grid, is something that needs to be uh, thought about and, and dealt with and addressed. The question is just what are they going to do? What are they going to do here? Is it really going to make things better or is it going to be worse? As many times the government makes things, of course, worse instead of better. High-speed broadband to all Americans. Then they want to build, preserve, and retrofit more than 2 million homes and commercial buildings, modernize our nation's schools and child care facilities, and upgrade veterans' hospitals and federal buildings. Also said that they want to solidify the infrastructure of our care economy by creating jobs and raising wages and benefits for essential home workers. Talk like this bothers me um, as a I don't know, as a as an entrepreneur, as a small business guy, um, government doesn't create jobs. In fact, what the government does more times than not makes it harder for businesses to create jobs, harder for entrepreneurs to create jobs because of the obstacles, the barriers, the rules, the regulation, the taxes, which is in this piece of legislation as well. They say they want to revitalize manufacturing. Of course, you don't re- – <laughs> folks, it, it, it is so simple. It is so simple and obvious for anyone who simply wants to understand this. You don't revitalize manufacturing by raising, by raising taxes. How is, how is that going to help? You, you take more money – from corporations, seven percentage points, moving it from 21 to 28 percent. You can say it's seven percentage points, but you could, it's probably more appropriate to say that it increases the percentage that they take. It increases by 33 percent because you're taking a third of the 21 percent. I know numbers are hard over the radio, but you're adding a third of what the rate already is and adding it on top of the current rate, taking it to 28 percent. That's not. How is that good? How is that good for revitalizing manufacturing? How is that hard or how is that good on creating jobs, raising wages? How how is this good increasing taxes means that a business has less money on its bottom line to work with. So how is that how is that good? How is that going to increase wages and job opportunities? It's going to do the exact Exact opposite. As these things, it's predictable. We know how this works. Thomas Sowell has written about this, who is brilliant. This is not complicated. It really isn't. Anyway, that's what else they say is in this. They want to invest in research and development, train Americans for the jobs of the future. I can't imagine. You really want to let the federal government train people for jobs? Is that what we want to do? Look at the education system. The education system is completely broken in this country. It is. It's completely broken in this country. And now, to fix it, 
I guess we're going to start training more people for jobs that really they're not being taught those things in schools today anyway. The primary objective, in my estimation, of universities and colleges is to further the cause of radical liberalism, to make people not like America as founded and desire something else because it's being taught by a bunch of pointy-headed elite liberals who believe that America is a terrible place and that it would be better if it was more like the Soviet Union. I had the, I had the professors, folks. I had these professors, and they just think if you believe in free markets and capitalism that you're either a greedy, selfish pig or a hayseed hick who doesn't know anything because capitalism is evil, they will tell you. Communism is good. It sounds so good. They gloss over the fact that it killed 100 million plus people in the 20th century, literally. Not just communism, but primarily communism. But governments, governments killing their own people, 100 million plus in the 20th century. Nah, just a, just a little fact that they want to kick to the side, kick to the curb. Anyway, that's what this legislation is going to do, supposedly help train Americans for jobs of the future. Here we go with more good job creation nonsense. Create good quality jobs that pay prevailing wages and a hat, and a, a hat tip to the union workers out there and safe and healthy workplaces while ensuring workers have a free and fair choice to organize this is the removal of right to work laws join a union and bargain collectively with their employers um they can do that today the right to work just says you're not forced to join a union Anyway, this is this is what the, the, the talking points and the fluff are. But the bottom line is it's not it's not all infrastructure. It is an attempt to transform the type of economy we have. In fact, Biden said this. We talked about this briefly the other day, and he said it again when he unveiled um, his his plan here. He used a phrase, and I'm trying to find it here as I'm scrolling. I'm not sure which one. I think it's in this one, this article at news or just the news.com. But Biden says we're going to reward work, not wealth. That's what apparently the government's job is. The job of the government in the eyes of a liberal is to reward work. I don't even know what that means. I know what they want you to think it means, what they want me to think it means, but the government's job is to reward work. You'll find that in the Constitution, right? Article, what is it? Article 3, Section 2? Is that, is that where it is? We, we, we reward work, not wealth? This is not the way that the founders thought. The, the founders thought the government exists to do, you know, define, clearly define things and that individuals could live their lives. If you wanted to work for someone and could agree with the wages or compensation that they offered you, you took the job. If you didn't, you didn't take the job, right? I mean, that's that's how this started. Now the government's coming in to make everything fair. And what's the cost of that? Do people who clamor for this, clamor for this stuff, realize that there is a cost for the government to so-called, you know, to, to so-called come in and fix this and to make it fair? That that cost is at least a seven percent tax increase, seven percentage points, 
33% overall increase of taxes on businesses. Do they not stop and think that maybe that money could have been used to pay workers and now it's gone? It's going to the federal government. It's the cost of doing business, the cost of having the federal government act as your arbitrator, your negotiator. Then they're going to take more of what you earn if you earn too much. Doesn't sound like a system that I think is beneficial or that is good for the cause of liberty and freedom and the individual to keep, first and foremost, to have the right to keep the fruit of his or her labor. Anyway, this legislation is expensive. This legislation is mostly not about infrastructure. It's how the left passes all sorts of legislation and – And there's a fight here over this filibuster and these new rules, and I want to touch on that just briefly because I want to get to Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday here by the end of the program as well. But I'll talk about the filibuster, what's going on there. They're going hard after Joe Manchin now. Chuck Schumer somehow miraculously found with his aides something in uh, the 1974 Senate rules that allow them to somehow – somehow continually use the filibuster for virtually anything and everything. It's an amazing feat. It is amazing. The media doesn't have any problem with this. The media media seems to be cheering this along, acting as though this is the only thing that's going to save our democracy. That and, of course, passing H.R. 1, which in my estimation is the most dangerous thing. <laughs> it's still the most dangerous thing we're looking at, even considering this mini uh, Green New Deal you know, pieces of that legislation tucked away in this uh, in this so-called infrastructure bill. Timeout is in order, though. You're listening here, the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back here in just a minute. Welcome back. I said I would talk briefly about this, and we're going to do this very briefly because the latter part of the program, I want to talk about Resurrection Good Friday. Um, I like to talk about those things during the appropriate time of year especially, and it is Good Friday today. So we're looking at the Senate, right? So the Senate, we've been through this a couple of times. I've explained it. You have a good understanding of, of the rules. You know how this works. You know that in modern history, to get anything done in the Senate of real, I don't know, controversial legislation, you really need 60 votes to end debate, right? That's that's just how it works. And when Republicans are in control of the Senate, it is a great thing. The media loves the filibuster. Democrats use the filibuster. There's nothing wrong with the filibuster. It's necessary to prevent the majority from trampling on the rights of the minority, giving the minority a voice in the Senate, protecting them from all of the evils the Republican Party wants to perpetrate upon the, the well, racial minorities and the uh, people from uh, the lower socioeconomic classes. This is how it's portrayed. It's totally fabricated and made up silliness, but that's how it's portrayed. 
when the shoe's on the other foot, when Democrats have the House, they have the White House, and of course they have the Senate, but they only have the Senate because they have the White House. The Senate's 50-50. The Senate, well, other people would say there's other reasons they have the Senate. I don't want to get into that. But they have the Senate because they have the White House. It's 50-50. So Kamala Harris, probably laughing all the way to uh, to vote in the Senate, is the tie-breaking vote. She's the tie-breaking vote. However, that only gives them 51, even with the tie-breaking vote. So it's 50-50. How, how do they come up with 10 other votes, right? How do they pass this radical legislation? How do they pass massive spending and tax increases and all that without 60 votes? Because, as Mitch McConnell came out and said yesterday, basically Republicans are not going to be on board with this because of the tax increases. Mitch McConnell basically saying, look, we would entertain – we would entertain the infrastructure bill, but we're not going to vote to see taxes increased on the American businesses. Right, This is the sort of thing Mitch McConnell would say, and this is – you know, you say, how do you get to 60 votes? Well, they're not going to if all Republicans or even most Republicans um, hold firm on that. You can't get to 60. However, however, this has been reported first in Politico but also uh, in The Blaze, and that's where I want to look at this is in the blaze if I can find this because I pulled that uh, McConnell article up. Here it is. Schumer and Dems have a plan to dodge the filibuster and pass Biden's big spending agenda. Subheadline here. It's so crazy. It just might work and backfire if Republicans win the next election. I think it's a little bit, mm, with all due respect to the blaze, I think it's a little bit foolish at this point to talk about if Republicans win the next election, because I think the calculation here is can we pass all this radical stuff that will give us a permanent majority, right? The Democrats ran the show in the House and Senate for a long period of time, a really, really long period of time. Um, I think until – was it until 1994 when the Republicans um, overtook the, the – kind of won the House out of – out of nowhere. It might have been slightly before that, but there was a large chunk of time. I'm talking – it was a long time, decades, where Democrats ran Congress, both both branches. And so they, they long for those, those years again. And so if they can use these rules in their favor, not just to pass the radical legislation, but also to create with this H.R. 1, which is why I'm saying it's the most dangerous thing that's out there. Basically telling states you can't ask for voter ID, basically telling states you have to have – I mean all sorts of things that are not secure for elections. You have to, I mean, make voting by mail as easy as possible, and the easier that it is, of course, the easier it is to take advantage of that system and to increase fraud. But the left will tell you there's not – there's no fraud. It's an amazing thing. Uh, people respect – respect elections this country is run by in the minds of the radical left white supremacists but the white supremacists will not under any circumstances try to take advantage of an electoral system election system that gives them an opportunity to make sure that their person's in power it's an amazing thing it's an amazing thing to think that that's how these folks think but it's not how they think they instead see it as a way 
to make sure that they can well you know what it does i don't i don't know what else to say about this but the point is they can't do these things they can't pass these things without doing something with the filibuster however chuck schumer's aides and chuck schumer himself have sat down and found out found out that there's a way to bypass this it's called section 304 and the top Schumer aides, this is uh, actually, this is in the Blaze article. It's being quoted from CBS News. Top Schumer aides have asked the parliamentarian in the U.S. Senate, this is the same parliamentarian that said that you cannot include the in, uh, minimum wage increase under budget reconciliation. But they are asking the parliamentarian about using Section 304 of the Congressional Budget Act of 1974 to allow for a second reconciliation process this fiscal year. Remember, there's supposed to be a limited number of times that you can use budget reconciliation. And the parliamentarian is an expert on the obscure procedures of the Senate and can determine whether certain actions are permitted under Senate rules. The Blaze writes here, the parliamentarian agrees with Schumer's argument, the Democratic majority in the Senate with Vice President Kamala Harris's tie-breaking vote could use budget reconciliation, this is the important part, as many times as they please, to pass any bill that is related to the budget. But even should the parliamentarian disagree, Schumer still has options. The Democrats can pass the fiscal year 2022 budget resolution this year and the fiscal year 2023 budget resolution next year, giving them an opportunity to use budget reconciliation at least twice more during Biden's term. There's also the nuclear option, which essentially would... um, allow the Democrats to bypass the filibuster on issues that they want to try to. It's the same way that it happened with the courts, the court nominations. Um, It started when Democrats said for federal court positions, we're going to use the nuclear option, which means we're not going to have the filibuster apply to this. Republicans then took that and used it for the Supreme Court nominations, which is how we got Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett, all none of which had 60 votes. Anyway, I wanted to touch on that. I wanted to give you an update. These things, that's why we talk about the filibuster. That's why we talk about H.R. 1 so much, because I believe that these two things are critically important. Critically important to not just what happens right now, but to the future of our ability, of our ability to fight back against this nonsense through the election, election processes, and through the election itself. So, timeouts in order. Taking a quick break here. When we come back, I want to talk about Good Friday. I want to talk about Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And we'll do that after the break. Sit tight. Back here in just a minute. Welcome back. Program, as you know by now, brought to you by our friends at Freegee and Freegee Auctions and Marketing. FreegeeAuctioneers.com is the website, F-R-E-I-J-E, Auctioneers, with an S, dot com. They have their annual, I mean, who, who can pass this up? Annual Spring Big Boy Toy Auction. Annual Spring Big Boy Toy Auction. And I'm looking here, they've got, and they've got vehicles, motorcycles, They've got golf carts. They've got 
things like Polaris's and Gators, tractors, equipment, mowers. You got furniture, household items. All this is happening April 17th. You can bid online. You can bid in person. I'm looking here at a picture of a vehicle that we used to have something similar when I was a kid. This is a it's like a 1987 SS Monte Carlo. I think ours was an 84. I think ours was I remember ours was blue and I think it was an 84. Anyway, check this out. Freegeauctioneers.com is the website. I'm gonna talk a tad bit here about Easter today in the waning waning moments of the program, folks. This, as I said earlier, is the most important weekend of the year. This recognizes and celebrates the single most important event in human history. I know that that's a big statement, but I think it's, I mean, if Easter, if the resurrection is true, if the resurrection is true, then this without question is the most important time in the most important event in history. You could say, I guess you could say that the creation of the world was the most important time. And I could say, yeah, I guess we wouldn't be here if there wasn't a creation, but from the moment of creation and from the moment we decided to effectively turn our backs on God and to sin, um, we had a, a problem, a big problem, because God had to do something to fix it. We could not fix that on our own. And he sent his son, Jesus, whose birth we celebrate at Christmas, even though the time of year he was born is probably not that time of year, but that's the point is we're remembering the event. This one did happen. We know that this event happened this time of year, the the Good Friday, which is when the crucifixion took place, and the resurrection, which happened on Easter Sunday, what we call Easter, I guess, uh, culturally now, but Resurrection Sunday. Single most important time in or event in history, being recognized and celebrated today. It's not about bunnies. It's not about chocolates. It's not about the Easter bunny or any of that. It's about a risen Savior. He is risen. He is risen for you. He is risen for me. His love is there. His forgiveness is there for anyone who chooses to accept that. And I will tell you this. If any of you want to learn more about that, I invite you. You can email me, Todd at com, and we will do everything we can to share the love of Jesus with you. So have a happy Resurrection Sunday. This is Good Friday as well, um, the day of the crucifixion. But it's the day that things began where man and God were reconciled through the blood of Jesus. Got to take a break. Back here in just a minute. Welcome back, my friends. Again, good Friday. I just want to say in closing, not everyone that's listening to this program, um, you know, shares shares my beliefs, and that's that's okay. That's okay. But um, it is what I believe is factually accurate, and it is something that applies to all people. We don't have to agree on this to be friends and agree on other things. In fact, you can think I'm crazy. That's okay on this, but. That doesn't change the fact that I believe, as do millions of other professing Christians around the world, that this weekend God died for you, for me, and he offers you the free gift of salvation just by accepting that. And I thank you for listening. SDG, see you Monday.